Guys, we almost had Chad this week. I know he had to Man, go. Man, what a plus that had been. <laughs> I know this could have been the greatest episode of all time. And Chad just that had guy's a just intense, right? He had, a, he had a lunch with Brad. He had to get to. Yeah, Chad and Brad killing it Chad with Brad uh, with Tad. And, what does uh, it take to get invited to a lunch with Chad, Brad, and Tad? You got to drink Tab. <laughs> <laughs> and the end of the joke. <laughs> So right. we're, we're back, Chase. We got CrossFit stuff to discuss. Yeah, I yeah, and uh, back in Coyote actually. We, yeah, uh, we went to a school at some point to talk about some CrossFit games that you I mean, didn't you know mean nearly the, you enough mean the about. Mobile Coyote Fitness but yeah, Studios. Not, we did not go to school. We went to a horse stable, if I remember. That's right, correctly. horse stable. Yeah, horse heads <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. There are times where you have to rise above your environment and produce a great podcast. This is not one of those times because we're actually back at the box, and I'm I'm going to suggest we do this every week. This is awesome. I'm going to not because <laughs> I have to load the car full of stuff every week. But, you know, it's a good sentiment, you know. It makes me appreciate it when we are here. That's the direction I'll take that, right? Yeah. Well, it's been a while since you've been here, so. No, I was here for the uh, classic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So we're, we're not breaking the barrier by saying we're back and we the CrossFit games have officially happened. Yeah, no, we're fine. <laughs> okay, I, I get it. I can get it straight when something's already occurred. It's, it's when something's about to occur. Yeah, the games are like a week, a week or so old. There's the no way that this can come out before the games happen. <laughs> <laughs> Literally impossible. Hey, I'm it's not paying for my brains. All right, that's not how it works. You know, wormholes, spaces yeah. curved, all that stuff. So we made a couple of pretty happen. bold predictions, all of us, and now we yeah, have a chance. All of us. Yeah, yep. now we have a chance to go back and see even Hunter with his spreadsheet how the predictions worked out, how we did. We're going to discuss a few things about the games. There are always a couple of unique surprises. It's what the, the games are known for. Then we had a, a huge fall that sent an athlete uh, to the hospital coming off a cargo net. I mean, complete pandemonium. Uh, so some stuff we loved about it, some stuff that was challenging. We're just going to dig into the games this year. Fun time of the year to be doing a podcast where you can just really Monday morning quarterback a guy's programming efforts, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, the games were fun. As usual, it's always my favorite time of year for CrossFit season. You know, it's a fun week and weekend, you know, waiting to see what the workouts are going to be and then watching, you know, the workouts, seeing how everybody does, seeing what the program looks like. Um, and I really enjoyed watching this this year's. I thought I thought they did a great job with, with the weekend as a whole. I thought the, you know, it was a good competition. You know, it was pretty close up until the last couple of events. Um, so, it was good, good, really good weekend. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, I thought uh, as far as the programming went, it was definitely one of the better, if not the best years. There was uh, still uh, uh, one or two things that I thought it was uh, that I thought it was lacking, but there was a couple of workouts that were just absolutely, uh, absolutely genius. That, you know, it couldn't have been more just – classic crossfit and i think that's what everybody really wants to see when they watch it you know you want to see the the obscure things like the like the crit and the marathon row and all that kind of stuff but then you know you're hoping that by the end of the weekend you got a really good dose of just classic uh you know couplets and triplets and just really really painful stuff yeah i you know overall I, i liked it i thought it was a good test i thought you know the first day as a whole was just a good test yeah you know whoever was sitting on top after the first day you could make a case probably as being the fittest in the world um and i think it kind of you know the leaderboard probably didn't shake up that much after that um i would have liked to see the workouts that they did in the coliseum to be a little bit more um 
work capacity, painful type workouts, other than the um, the pull up and the bar muscle up workouts. Yeah. The other workouts they were just kind of like either strength or skill. It wasn't a whole lot of you know like CrossFit like pain cave type workouts. I mean they had the pegboard with the thrusters and that was a cool event, but. Um, it, you know, it, it was just about whether you could climb the pegboard and whether you could carry that yoke very well. And then um, they had the handstand walk obstacle, and that was cool. But it's just kind of like the handstand walk thing, you know, it's just kind of played out. I mean, they just keep doing it over and over and over again. Okay, well, we're going to walk on the ground. Now we're going to walk up a ramp. Now we're going to walk over this thing. All right, we get it, you know. But it, it just seems like why is the handstand walk worth just as much as a three-hour row? Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, sure. Point, points wise, and uh, uh, you know, and then they had the clean speed ladder. That was cool. That's always or clean and jerk speed ladder. That's always really cool. But I would have liked to see some a couple more, maybe just classic couplet or triplet crossfits with uh, movements with uh, you know just crossfit workouts that you know you have to really dig deep and and push hard and and see who really wants to win it. You know. Yeah, that was gonna be my one critique was that you didn't see uh, a whole lot of workouts like last year when they had the uh, the bike sprint into the uh, into the banger where it was just it was just raw uh, raw power um and uh you know where it really it really makes you it really makes you hurt where it's just an all-out sprint for for one to two minutes and uh you just you didn't see a whole lot of that it was, a lot of it was either on one end of the spectrum or the other it was either just you know absolute endurance absolute strength or absolute skill there wasn't a whole lot of of weaving of the three or anything like that but um but overall it was it was definitely the most uh, the most entertaining that uh, that i've seen thus far i think i think you'd have to go back to like uh probably 2013 or 2012 to because uh, I, I thought those were some of the more under underappreciated games as far as the programming goes, but other than that, it was uh, it was awesome. Really enjoyed it. Didn't yeah, I have a lot of complaints. I about felt it. like they're they're really using the facilities and the you know everything around that area at a lot better this year than they did last year. They're kind of getting the hang of what they can do. Yeah. Um. I really you know the bike the crit thing that was pretty cool. Um. I enjoyed watching that and it it was cool to see you know the men especially it seemed like they really kind of were had an idea of what they were doing they were you know drafting off of each other uh you could see at the top couple guys kind of playing toying with other people with like testing testing other people out seeing what they had and so you could tell some of those guys had some pretty good experience on the on the uh, bike and you know they're using the the swim pretty well one thing i heard is that apparently the water's not very deep and so some of the people are just kind of walking instead of swimming in the water which i, I don't know what else you can do about that but um, I guess if you're a good swimmer, you're going to swim well. Um, but overall, you know, like like Chris said, I thought it was I thought it was good overall program. It was a lot of fun to watch. Um, some of the some of the most entertaining events for sure that I've seen. I think the chaos event might be my favorite event I've ever watched in, in the CrossFit Games. That was so cool to see. Just see them go out there. They had no idea. What they were doing, they didn't know what the reps were at each station. They didn't know how many reps they had to do, and they just kind of had to watch and see where everybody else was. Um, 
And then I love seeing the burpee standard on that, seeing Fikowski not even have to jump. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was my favorite part. That was. was like, finally, stand up and hit the red yeah, tape. I was like, finally it pays to be tall in, in a burpee. <laughs> for, after all the thousands and thousands of burpees that they've had in CrossFit, it finally him, pays to be tall. It, 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 worked, it worked out so great, too, that him and Frazier were right yeah. next to each other doing that. Oh, my God. That was awesome. Yeah, you saw that look that at so Frazier's funny. face. Like, if I could punch you right now, I would totally do it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that, as far as um, what we desire to see in programming, I just have this question. Do you think our exposure to the way that these athletes train causes us to want to see a particular thing, or is it y'all's extensive history with the games? Because what y'all are talking about really didn't really didn't run across my mind. It just all looked so impressive to me. You know, it was it's it's kind of intricate. It's it's unique that we're able to drop in because of video into the way these guys train. They hit that pain cave multiple times a day yeah well uh, uh, what I look for in the uh, in the programming is I don't want to see something uh, something that's biased to one to one particular athlete or the other I mean you know I say that but it's the same guys that are <laughs> that are winning every year <laughs> right. with different workouts so I mean I guess it really uh, really doesn't matter but um, but I do want I do want to see I mean you know if you have uh, how many how many scored events was it 15 18 14 14 so uh over those 14 events, I would hope that you touch on, you know, every uh, touch at least on every single um, uh, type of capacity. You know, I want to see you. I want to see you lift heavy. I want to see people go go really long with low skill. I want to see people go really long with high skill. I want to see. Uh, I want to see some sprints. I want to see sprints with heavy weight, things like that. You yeah. Know? You have a lot of opportunities to touch on everything, and when you start doing like when you have you know three events like the crit. The marathon row, the uh, the uh, run paddleboard uh, or the, the paddleboard swim run uh, that that gets a little redundant to me. Yeah. I think they could have done a little bit better than having all three of those events. Yeah, Hunter, you haven't been real veiled about uh, saying basically the the system is broken to some degree. It's interesting to, for me to hear you say I had a lot of fun watching it. They did a good job. I'm not saying that you're reversing your opinion. But you are acknowledging within the confines of this one weekend determining everything, not disregarding the open, but how your weekend goes is how your year goes at the games. Yeah. You know, so you're admitting that they've they've done some stuff to kind of correct that or I think the games are always, you know, a very good test of fitness overall, you know. I think the the problem with the open and regionals like Chris said, and typically has been it's favored a certain type of athlete and it's more about you know, how fast you can do reps, um, cycle speed, you know, range of motion, and not really testing the wide variety of fitness that they can do at the game. So in the past, at the games, you know, you get people who can't even swim, you know, without stopping or, they, you know, they have to stop and walk on the run because they hadn't had that type of test leading up to it. Well, I, th- I thought they did a lot better time this year of – of weeding those people out at, at regionals so that you, you had a better, uh, more diverse uh, group at the games who were able to do all the tests. Um, I've always thought the games are definitely the best overall test. Um, I just thought that by that point you've already weeded out 99.9% of the field. Mm. And so, you know, some of the guys who would do really well at the games have already gotten weeded out. And some guys who do really poorly there probably shouldn't be there in the first place. But, you know, what I like to see, like Chris said, is not favoring one specific athlete. You know, you want to have a broad test 
where it's more about how fit you are, how skilled you are, how strong you are, and not your range of motion, you know, that type of thing. And I thought they'd do a really good job. The only, you know, you don't want to see a, a disproportionate amount of points favoring um, one particular type of athlete. You want it evenly spread out. You know, the, the two bicouplets, that both of those workouts kind of favor the same type of person. And so that's like, if you're good at light snatches and chest bars or bar muscle ups, that's 200 points on the table right there, you know, and they're both six minute workouts. And so, you know, if you're really good at that type of movement, well, you have the chance to win 200 points as opposed to if you're good at a marathon row, you know, you, you only have the chance to win 100 points. But, you know, that's just kind of small thing. I think in the end, the leaderboard is probably pretty indicative of how fit the people are. I thought, I thought they ended up being, you know, pretty it, it ended up being a pretty good representation of what it should have been and that's all you really want out of the test really is you want the fittest people to be at the top and the least fit to be at the bottom and I thought they did a good job of that so what what's the answer there just a kind of taking a deep dive into this could you do different uh, points levels for different types of work I mean or do you have to do you really have to for the sake of fairness over the competition every workout's got to be classified as the same no matter the modality, no matter the injury system, no matter in know, the in the past they've done like the fifty points for some stuff, hundred points for the other, and you know I just I think the way they do it now is probably you know the fairest best way to do it, um, just because they're trying not to favor one type of one skill over another. Yeah, the marathon takes three hours, and the thirty muscle ups takes two minutes, and they're both worth the same amount of points, but they're trying to test, you know, who's the best at muscle ups, and they're trying to test who has the best endurance. And mm-hmm. so, you know, who's to say one is more important than the other? I think the way they do it now is probably the best way to do it, and I think they've gotten to that through a lot of trial and error over the years. And you know, all the stuff the critiques were saying, they're nitpicky things. I think sure, overall, yeah. for the most part, I thought they did a great job. Like Chris said, this was, if not the best, one of the one of the top years of programming for sure. I think um, with it, as far as like the points, you know, they they made that change a couple of years ago. The, the it used to be the spread and points between first, second, and third place was not as much as it is right now, and they decided to uh, to broaden those uh, those gaps to uh, basically reward you for going after first place because it used to be people would kind of cement themselves in the top five and they wouldn't and they wouldn't go after those top points anymore they would do enough just to keep themselves there and so you would see a lot of just watered down events but uh they they started they, they widened that point margin out a little bit and i think that's made uh, made a big difference in seeing people push a lot more at, at the end of the weekend it makes it a lot more entertaining um it does reward you for the people who are really good at some stuff and really bad at some stuff because you get more points for doing, you know, winning or getting top five than you do for getting, you know, bottom five. Once you get down in the 20s and 30s, it doesn't really matter if you got 20th or 30th. It's all, you know, within, you know, one to two points each spot. Whereas, you know, if you win, you can move up a ton. So you'll see people on the leaderboard who get top five or three or four events and they'll finish, you know, in the top 20 and but they'll be in the bottom you know bottom third on two-thirds of the workouts because 
And so it almost, it kind of takes it away from being the most well-rounded athlete with, you know, does the best in the middle of the pack. Now the top, the top guys, it's going to be the same no matter what. Yeah. I think when you're talking about programming, scoring, all that type of stuff, all you're doing is shuffling around that 10 to 40 spot. You know, the top five to 10 is going to be the same no matter what you do, just because they're the best. Yeah. Which you mad respect to those guys for and girls for being the best. So this leads into a question I've got here to satisfy curiosity. As guys that program on a pretty regular basis and are just immersed in this, what did you learn programming-wise? How did you mature by watching the games as a, as a programmer of CrossFit? Mm, I think uh, <laughs> um, – not to not to take anything away from one of our from one of our coaches, but if one of our coaches and just on a whim uh, jump on the rower and do a and do a uh, full marathon row in under the uh, under the time cap, that was a very very generous time cap that they had for that uh, <laughs> for that workout. Yeah, I think uh, uh, one of our coaches, Caleb, did that marathon row in three hours and fifteen minutes, and I think he got up twice to go to the uh, to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I think that well, I, th- I don't think that the time cap was. I think he just put that time cap on it so people would finish. I mean, I don't yeah. think he was trying to make it to where um, it was going to be hard to do it. He just wanted to make sure people couldn't just be like, ah, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to save myself the rest of the week. And he was like, no, you're going to have to do this no matter what. And you know, there was a couple girls who finished 3:45, yeah, because um, they were cramping up. But one thing, good thing about it was. You had a girl cramping up. She stopped, but she was still able to go on and finish. And um, my takeaway was that CrossFit is definitely um, going more into longer duration type workouts. You saw it at regionals. You saw it at the games. Um, you know they do the marathon row. You know that when they did the half marathon row a few years ago, everybody like went crazy. Like, oh my gosh, over an hour long workout. And now you got you got the you know, I remember four or five years ago they have like a like a thirty minute workout of the games, and everybody couldn't believe thirty minutes. I can't believe that people were going for thirty minutes, and now they're uh, now they're doing you know three hour workouts. You you got the the crit, which was pretty long workout. You got the um, the tri plus. That was a typically the tri plus would be the long endurance workout, and that was just one of several long workouts. So I think what you see is definitely more aerobic testing at at the games and. You just see the level of skill just going higher and higher every year. The level of strength, you know, the clean ladder weights are now clean and jerks, and some guys were able to clear those last five bars with ease. The level of skill is going up. So every year they're raising the bar on how strong you got to be, how skilled you have to be, and then and it looks like now they're really pushing that aerobic endurance piece. So I, you know, I think you know it's important that you're doing long, steady work even more so now than ever yeah that's attacking probably attacking a weakness that people in crossfit are just kind of falling into you know because you got this you got an hour-long class you can't program a marathon row well well, for a few years there all regionals was was just strength and power yeah you know and then uh then last year it was all it was all body weight skill and you know and this and this past year i think the open all the way through uh, through the games this year was a very I thought well balanced uh, well balanced approach to the program. Well, I'll say this too: CrossFit does a great job of 
picking out the holes in the CrossFit community's fitness as a whole and yeah. exposing them throughout the open regionals and games. They, they, are, they are really good at that. Everybody's getting too biased working on strength. All right, we're going to start throwing in a ton of gymnastics. Everybody's spending too much time focused on the gymnastics skill. All right, let's start doing this long aerobic work. You know, nobody's lifting with dumbbells. Let's start doing dumbbells. You know, they're really good at seeing what the whole, what the fitness community as a whole is lacking and pushing it in there. And they're always pushing the envelope. All right, we got this down. What are we um, focused on now? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think it's, it's pretty interesting to say that CrossFit as a whole is willing to frustrate its participants to better the entire community, you know, and to frustrate their affiliates. I mean, it's pretty awesome that they would say, hey, we're going to, the people who are paying the bills, we're going to make sure that they're not just falling into some sort of realm where they can coast. That's, uh, I don't know, that's gutsy. I like it. So let's talk about our surprises. I know there are a couple of things always this year, and we've, we've said Marathon Row now more times in the past 10 minutes than the previous 10 years. So yeah. obviously that was one of them. But maybe some of these other things that we wouldn't initially say, uh, I think the Marathon Row is the top, wins the top spot, right? Yeah. That's like the Frazier surprises right there. Like yeah. Nobody saw that coming. Uh-uh. Uh, but there were other surprises as well. Um, you know, that Rescue Randy thing, I thought that was – at first, when they put, posted it, I was like, ah, this is kind of, kind of, you know, corny, kind of lame. But I thought it was actually a pretty cool event, yeah. you know, dragging that thing. And it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, the, uh, like I said, I love that chaos workout. That was really, really cool. And it, it just took away from strategizing and figuring out how you exactly need to break it up. And it was just all about how fit are you? How bad do you want to hurt? Um, and just being prepared really for anything and everything. So I really thought that was cool. Um, other than that, I wasn't too surprised about anything else. You know, I thought, you know, it was pretty typical, you know, the stuff that they had in there. Uh, it's pretty typical to, for what you would see in, in CrossFit. If you've been, if you know, Dave always says, know your history. You know, if you've been watching CrossFit, paying attention to the workouts, you know what the workouts are in the past. You know, you're going to be pretty prepared for what they have. You can kind of see what's coming. I think uh, the the biggest surprises to me, uh, one was the uh, the uh, women's point spread. You know, we talked about how uh, how the top ten was so uh, was so tight, and there was so much talent in that top ten. You ended up with uh, uh, with one through four getting uh, getting a thousand points, and then fifth had uh, had eight hundred and sixty six, and so there was just this huge drop off after the top four. I really didn't see their leaderboard shaking out like that. Um, another thing too was, uh, you know, this uh, this is a sport when you re- when you really look at it, the sport is just designed to have parity because just there's there's so many opportunities for error, and all of these guys train so much. They're all extremely fit, but um, you just uh, it, even though I, even though you expect it, it's still surprising how dominant that uh, that the top three uh, the top three guys are, and then even how much more dominant Matt Frazier is than everybody else. You know, in the sport, even where he, he had to he had to uh, to uh, to events where he really messed up <laughs> and on the on the clean ladder. I know there was a or the the speed ladder, and there was something else where he had a pretty big. Uh, pretty big mess up too but he just steadily there's nothing that that they try to throw at him that he just can't consistently do it's amazing yeah i'm i'm with you like this this surprise for me was and i guess i'm with both of you was just seeing that 
the bar keeps getting higher and higher and higher. I just, it's like, where is this going to top out? Where are these people coming from? But then, you know, and I'm not trying to disrespect Froning's legacy in any way, mm-hmm. but it used to be you would see Froning flip that switch and go to that place and nothing's getting, and everybody's like, who, who is ever going to be able to do this? And now you're seeing guys, I'm not saying all across the games, but the top guys, and they, they were talking about this with Frazier. He's had these mistakes. Maybe this guy is, you know, uh, beatable. And then that one workout, man, you could just see it in his eyes like, this is over. I mean, I knew before it even went, like, this is over. This guy's made the decision. I will not lose these games. So you've, now you've got that element that doesn't have anything to do with what you were talking about, Hunter, mobility or work capacity. It's like, what can your mind actually do? Yeah. It's like it's almost going to have to become a group effort with that with the rest of the field yeah. to get Frazier off the podium. Like in the uh, in the crit, there should have been a bunch of them to say, "Hey, we're, let's put him, let's, let's take put him out. It, or, or let's put him in a pack and not yeah. let him pass." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chris, you made a good point about the women. I I thought it was going to be you know the most competitive um, women's field ever. It ended up not, and it was not. I mean, Tia just dominated. I mean, she. She won by over a hundred points. Um, if, if you'd have told me that uh, that the that the that the girls' winner was going to have it locked up basically by the last event, I would have said then Catherine's winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The I think you know just how much better than everybody Tia and Matt are. It just blows you away just to see Tia's how come along. Yeah, way. just to see how fit everybody else is, and for them to be that much better, it's just mind blowing um, how good those guys are. Um, I think the field is just incredibly strong at this point. I mean, it, there's nobody who has, you know, any holes, really, that's at the games. They're all good at everything. They're all we're really great at everything. It's just small differences here, small differences there. and then. But the people at the top are just so much better than everybody else. It's almost like they're – they're they're playing a different sport almost, and so it's just it's it's crazy. And I don't see Matt stopping anytime soon. I could definitely I, there's no doubt in my mind he's going to go keep going until he at least wins five in a row. Um, I just think that that that's his probably internal goal is people always ask him about Rich. Rich won four in a row. I think Matt'll go until he at least wins five, and uh, I could see Tia going on a similar run like that. I mean, she just she is physically gifted. Um, probably the most gifted female athlete in the field by far, and I don't see anybody being able to compete with her um, anytime soon. Horvath gave her all she wanted for a little bit. She though. did. Laura, Laura Horvath is good. She definitely still has some holes. Horvath is good at the longer endurance type stuff, but T is good at all that stuff too, and T is just such a better weightlifter and so much stronger and more skilled. And and that's and that's going to be uh, Horvath's biggest uh, biggest issue mm-hmm. is as long as there's going to continuously be, you're going to get a lot of points from just being able to lift lift more weight than, uh, I mean, she's just not going to catch Tia. It's going to take her a few years to get to that point. I think Horvath will probably, you know, fit right in with that pack of girls like Katra and Cara, Annie, you know, Carrie Pierce, Brooke Wells. You know, all of that, you know, top ten every single year, mm-hmm. but they're all going to be chasing Tia. Just like you kind of have the men now. You got Frazier, and then you got Vellner, Fikowski, Carl, Noah Olsen, um, Cole Sager, you know, Lucas Hogberg. All these guys are kind of – they're consistently moving into that top ten spot, that second tier, but they're still behind Frazier, and I think you'll kind of see that on both sides for a while. 
it's interesting you get in that position where really what's going to affect the future of the sport is just where does that leader get? When do they reach that point where they're just not hungry for that challenge anymore? They need a different challenge. That's kind of a deflating uh, perspective there for the guys that are in the top ten. I'm only going to progress in this up to second place until yeah. this guy decides he wants a different challenge. Yeah, <laughs> you know he's he's just that good. So um, so we discussed the prizes. We discussed the programming. Let's let's talk about where the rubber meets the road here our predictions leading into it how do we do how do we fare uh i know i got i got two <laughs> barely um uh i said that panchik would uh would fall out of the top 10 this year he finished 11th and uh i said that <laughs> <laughs> we'll count it as a win <laughs> yeah <laughs> i said that uh i said that uh noah olsen was going to be on the uh, was going to be on the outside looking in and he was he was six and um but i th- actually thought he was going to end up doing doing better than six I thought he was going to end up being like right outside with you know just within within points of the podium but uh he had a couple of uh he had like four finishes outside of the top 20 and I mean just that alone makes me surprised that he even got into got into sixth place so um but he's tough man I mean you know I gotta I gotta give credit where credit is due and because he uh he had those four really bad finishes and he just kept uh kept on um Kept on coming out, kept on attacking the workouts, and did well in the ones that he could. But um, I'm still just waiting for waiting for him to have that uh, that killer instinct. And I just I just don't know if he has it. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I mean, he's he's definitely up there, but uh, I think he's still missing a few um, key pieces to really get on that podium. Uh, my my predictions actually turned out pretty good for my team. I got it correct. I had. Mayhem first, Invictus X second, OC3 third, and that's how they finished up. Um, my women was off. I had Cara Saunders first, Tia second, and Katrin third. So I had Katrin right. I think I had Annie fourth, and I think – did Annie finish fourth? She finished – She finished fifth. So yeah. I had um, – I was a little off on that. I had uh, Katrin right. I had Tia second instead of first, and Cara first instead of fourth. And then uh, – Horvath was my sleeper, but I hadn't, I didn't, I didn't pre- predict her finishing second overall. No. I don't know if anybody did. And then for the men, I had uh, Frazier first, Vellner second, and Olsen third, Fikowski fourth. So I was pretty close on there. I just had Olsen third instead of Hogberg, which I had pretty far down. So I think uh, overall, you know, that was probably my best prediction year so far. Um, but you know. Definitely still missed a few spots. Didn't win the million dollars from Reebok this year. Maybe next year. <laughs> yeah, I remember for for me, really, I was, I'm winging the whole thing, really, based on my knowledge. But I know we talked about team, and I had Mayhem. You know, they were going to be – they were going to take two of the three spots, and they end up um, first and fourth. So I wasn't too far off on that. Um, and then I had an, an Invictus in there, X, which actually finished second. I did not – OC3 you guys talked a lot about during that episode and I didn't I didn't pick them they end up taking third place so it's it's a little bit crazy how predictable a lot of this stuff can be at about 80%. I mean, you know, and I think again it's a lot of because we know we have a lot of knowledge about how these teams are doing their training a lot of this stuff is so doc publicly documented you can make a really educated guess not only based on their history inside of the games but based on how their training year is going. So you know, I guess one thing I'm curious about is, 
you know, where where do we feel like the games are headed? Do we feel like not trying to make predictions a year out, but do you guys think that much is going to change in the next calendar year? Um, I don't think so. I think I think you know the games have kind of been evolving, changing. They're kind of figuring out uh, what they can and can't do. You know how much they can put on the athletes. Um, I think they've done a good job of putting a lot of volume on there, but taking out some of the movements that just destroy them. So you're not seeing people, they can't walk for two weeks like they used to see. I think they're getting a lot smarter with the program. Um, I just think, you know, it's kind of evolved and kind of settled, they've kind of settled into what, what they want to do. Um, like we talked about before, I'd love to see some changes in the open, um, but I don't know if they're going to do that. I think they, they're pretty happy with, with the open now. Um, I think but, we're getting to the place now where it's like, if you were to ask the question years ago, how's Tiger going to do in, at the Masters? You know, yeah. how's Sanford's going to do at Wimbledon? I mean, you just you, these athletes get into these patterns and they just dominate. You know, it's yeah. just, that's awesome. I think it's a, a, a sign that CrossFit is climbing to that level uh, where you can look at the sport in that particular way, and you got that uh, media coverage, which is a little different this year. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited about the future for it. I think it's now to where they don't have to make so many changes and adjustments like you're saying. It's just an exposure issue, and they're winning at that too. You know? Yeah. So congratulations to them for that. Uh, all right, so we move into our segment of Outside the Box, <laughs> where we're talking about college football, and thank goodness – it's the time of year where we can start talking about this again. I mean, other than the CrossFit games, what is the high point of athletics after football season's over? Uh, uh, <laughs> that's right. So now, similar to the CrossFit games, we're going to run into a lot of familiar territory here. But we want to discuss who we feel like is going to be in the playoff scene. And uh, Chase is eager to jump in on this conversation. Who do we feel like is going to make the road to the playoffs pretty interesting? So that puts us in about – our, our top four and then maybe uh, the two outliers that could do something interesting as the end of the season approaches. Yeah, so am I saying all six right now, or what are we doing? Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to predict there's going to be a significant level of overlap, so I think we could probably all have this discussion collectively until we hit some sort of big disagreement. So maybe you could start us off, uh, and then we can make you either look really smart or very foolish. Uh, that's okay. Uh, so my my one and four seed game is going to be no surprise Alabama, and then uh, Chris's favorite team coming in at number four Washington. Uh, I don't know Washington. I think it's finally their year. They've kind of stagnated towards the end of the season. Uh, uh, the what, what's that word you just used? Yeah, sorry. They've slowed down okay, a lot uh, towards the end of the season. <laughs> uh, but I think I think they're going to figure it out this year. Uh, coaching seems a little different. Uh, a lot, a lot of things changing. Uh, coming, and then I'm gonna go ahead and say my winner, I guess. Coming out of the game, I think Washington's actually gonna pull it off this year. I'm, uh, I'm really proud of them to not make it to a national championship, and I think this is the year to have it happen. Ooh, that's bold. Yeah, I know it is, but uh, <laughs> it's okay. So my two versus uh, three seed game, I have Clemson coming back against uh, Wisconsin. I think with everything going on with Ohio State, uh, really over the past few years. I think the distractions are really building up, and honestly, Wisconsin has a lot of returning uh, returning uh, forces. Uh, a lot of their O lines back, um, quarterbacks the same, all kinds of all kinds of things uh, going their way. Uh, so I'm picking Wisconsin to come out of that actually, 
And so, in a really weird turn of events, I'm picking the national championship to be Washington versus Wisconsin this year, oh, which is a really, it's, I know, it's a really weird looking game. But uh, I, I would, I would watch it. Probably half of America wouldn't, but that's all right. I think Alabama spring game will get more views than that. <laughs> I think you're true. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say there's a zero percent chance of that happening. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> but uh, I have Washington winning it all. So when, when you're talking about Ohio State, are you you're talking about the disruption of the NFL draft or just stuff going on team wise or what? They've had a really rough just past five years, honestly. It's a it's a miracle that they made it to any of the playoffs like they did. Um, but I, th- I think I'm I'm actually I'm hoping because I really can't stand Ohio State, so maybe that bias is coming out a little bit. And really, uh, I find that a lot right of people now they don't are have that way. Coach, so. Yeah, a lot of people are that way. It's like, oh, Ohio State. I mean, what? Why do people love to hate this team? They're the Bama of the North. Uh, so it really comes like people just hate the front runner, like the lead yeah. dog. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's like the Yankees, you know. People people hate the team that win every, wins every single year. You either yeah. love them or you hate them. There's yeah. No, there's no middle ground with the, te- the top team, you know. Yeah, and some at some point money comes into the discussion. People are just kind of grasping at straws. But I mean, the fact is, when you're out on the field, you're you're either good or you're not. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, that's how it works. So so your predictions, Chase, are a little bit uh, squirrely, which that's no surprise there. I like it. Yeah. Yes. It's fun. Yes. Chase, the squirrely guy. Yeah. Thanks, so, dog. Chris, how how are you feeling about that? What stuff? about my dark horses? Oh yeah, well I thought you just put your dark horses up in the top. <laughs> exactly. <four>. Uh, <laughs> my dark horses are Georgia and Ohio State. Ooh, I don't know. If people, some people have a little more confidence in Georgia than that. Georgia's pretty solid. Yeah. I would I wouldn't be shocked if they took it over Bama. You this just year. feel like it's I think maybe because your SEC experience here, like they just can't close the deal. It's they, just not. They've proven to not be able to quite a lot. Yeah, I get it. I get it. The polls aren't quite that biased. So, how about your your opinion, Chris? Uh, yeah, mine. My predictions aren't quite as uh, exciting as as Chase's. My uh, my uh, I think uh, for the playoff, my one uh, my one and four seed game is gonna be uh, is gonna be Bama and Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin would get in over uh, over Washington just because they're they're playing in the Big Ten and. Um, Big Ten is just a better conference, and so they'll get that. They'll get that nod over them. My two and three game will be uh, Clemson and Oklahoma, and I think uh, I think you're going to end up seeing Bama and Clemson the national championship game again. And I think Clemson's actually going to beat them this year. Clemson, man, God, they are they are just scary. They are a uh, they are a powder keg. They have just as many athletes. They're not scared of Bama. They've already proven that they can beat that they can beat Bama in the uh, in the big game. So. Uh, that's my playoff prediction. My two uh, my two sleepers are actually two uh, two SEC schools, Georgia and Mississippi State. If I'm ever going to pick them <laughs> to, <laughs> to do this again, it's going to have to be this year. So uh, Georgia um, Georgia lost a lot, but uh, but they've got um, they, there's still a lot of talent there. It's just going to be a matter of how quickly they can put it together and. Um, I really, really feel like a lot of people are sleeping on Mississippi State. It's it's incredible how they went from having such a terrible year in sixteen to seeing how quickly it turned around and now all of a sudden you look at the you look at the roster coming back and there is just talent all over the place. There's more talent on this there's more talent on this Mississippi State team that I've seen since uh since ninety nine. And um and uh, with uh, with the defense that's that uh, as good as it is, and um, 
you've got your you got your quarterback coming back. They filled some needs at wide receiver that they had to. It's if they're going to do it, it's going to be this year. I'm still trying to figure out how you, both you guys are picking the team that made it to the national championship last year as a sleeper this year. <laughs> they lost a ton, man. So what? They were, right, in the, they were in the national championship last sleeper year. Sleeper might be a bad way. Yeah. The first first outside would probably be a better term instead okay. of sleeper. Okay. It's, not like, it's not like we put them outside the top 25. It's just we knocked them down a little bit. Okay. It's all right. So you're just saying they're going to be close to making to the top four. Yeah, I, I yeah. think the top six, actually the top eight this year are going to be super tight. Oh, okay. All right, I got you. All right, so what are you? What are your predictions, Hunter? Uh, I didn't rank like a one to four. I just picked the four teams I thought who would be in. Uh, Wait a minute. You're talking very non-spreadsheet language right now. Is it, is it just too early to get down to that sort of approach? College football, man, you don't – it's hard to predict uh, what a bunch of 18 to 21-year-olds are going to do. <laughs> Just too uh, many variables. There's a whole lot of variables going know. on. It depends on the situation. Yeah. <laughs> Some situations, you know exactly yes. what's about to happen. Um, I think Clemson will be in there again. Uh, I think Alabama will be in there again. Um, I think Washington and uh, Georgia. Those are my top four teams, and I think Alabama will win. I just – I think Alabama finally has a quarterback, and if they have a good quarterback, I mean, that's the only thing that's been holding them back a lot. So they always have the best talent. So I, that would be my top four. I'd pick Alabama to win it all again. I mean, not going out on much of a limb picking them, but that kind of is what it is. Uh, my two sleepers, number one, Mississippi State, like Chris said. Um, I think they have a lot coming back. Um, you know, getting their quarterback hurt at the end of the year, uh, kind of had them finish lower than they really should have been last year. I think this will be their best, uh, most talented team they've ever had. I think their new coach coming in is going to uh, really, really take them to the next level. So I think watch out for them. My other sleeper would be Michigan. Um, they were 8-5 and five last year, but I think they had the talent to do a lot better. They just never really had a quarterback who stepped up. I think they went through three different quarterbacks last year. And college football, I mean, it's – all about that quarterback. If you can get a good quarterback in in there that can lead the team, they can take you to wherever you want to go. So I think that um, watch out for them. Uh, they got uh, Shea Patterson starting for them, uh, who transferred from Ole Miss, and um, he you know he's a game changer quarterback. So I think that putting a, a talent like that in at quarterback with all the talent they already have, and you know one of the top coaches in college football. Um, I think you got to watch out for them to, uh, to shake it up a little bit in the Big Ten this year. Yeah, I'm pretty much in line with you guys. I think, um, you know, part of what's pushing uh, Clemson to the top is you have so many people coming back. Now the, the difficulty is you get into that quarterback position. But, I mean, look, you got to pick, are we going to go on the, the winning experience of the program and the coach, or are we going to put our money where the guys on the field – and their experience is going to – man, in college football, just stuff just turns on a dime even within a game. And a lot of times experience in particular game situations is what what makes the difference, you know. So, yeah, I would say I'm going to go with Clemson as well. I think the only place I differ with you guys, this is a team that hasn't been mentioned yet, and I feel like there's a new momentum building uh, for this program is Penn State. Like I, I just think they're gonna do, they're due to do something pretty spectacular, and uh, you know everybody loves that Cinderella story. I think we're getting past a lot of that, that stuff. And I'm not going to say they've done a great job handling all of it in the past, but the way that people are when it comes to sports, 
the past becomes the past really quickly. So I'm looking for Penn State to be one of those programs. It's like, yeah, that Cinderella story, we're on top now. I'm not saying they're going to be able to, to win everything, but I think they're going to make stuff very, very interesting. They're going to be one of those uh, programs that has a season, I think, that builds as it goes. They're just more and more momentum is going to be produced. So, um, you know, they're, they're a storied program. I think they're going to get back to that. All right, so now we get to our recommends. Recommends portion. Man, this episode has flown by. Yeah. that's uh, The games will do that for you, right? Interesting topics. So who has a recommend for the week? We got a couple? I got one. Okay. Um, I watched – I kind of – you know, every time the World Cup comes on, I always get back into soccer. And um, somebody told me about a documentary on Netflix called First Team, and it's about uh, Juventus uh, last year, their season last year. And uh, it's like a, I think, six-episode uh, show on Netflix. And it was really cool just to kind of see the inside of um, a professional team, one of the top teams uh, in the world in soccer. They lost in the final of the Euro champ or the uh, Champions League uh, two years ago. And, you know, they're always one of the best teams. They're an Italian team in Turin. And it's just cool to see um, how professionally they take, take everything um, and how supported they are by the fans and just kind of see the mindset of the guys on the team. And, you know, the professional soccer over there is so different than professional sports over here and the lifestyle and how, you know, serious the guys take it and how, you know, what they're doing off the field and everything. So it's just interesting to see, you know, we see so much, you know, we know the ins and outs of all the top athletes in America, but, you know, we don't see a whole lot about, the international players and you know this team is probably you know one of the most popular teams in the world and you know they have some of the highest play, play, paid players in the world and you don't know much about them so it was just interesting to see the inside of of that team and their inner workings and I know they have uh, Cristiano Ronaldo that just signed with them so hopefully they'll do a second season this year and get kind of get to see that because I think uh, having him on the show would make for uh, fascinating uh, TV. So, first team who uh, Juventus is on Netflix. Uh, go check it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of along the same lines actually with my recommend. I got caught up in. Uh, have you guys seen the uh, on Amazon the documentary of the All Blacks, the rugby team? I want to watch it. I watched the one on Michigan. Uh, I hadn't watched the All Blacks one yet, but I really want to watch that one. Yeah, I think part of what makes it pretty fascinating is I just didn't know much about it. I just know, knew it was a brutal sport, but. To, to get to see, I think, behind the scenes in a team that's just been winning for so long. Yeah. It's like, man, there's got to be something valuable to learn here. And um, I think it makes it for me a little bit more exciting to get involved with the characters uh, of what's in the doc, who is in the documentary. If I don't know a lot about the sport, that, that's distracting me. But it also, over time, you start to learn more about the sport just by talking about the players and what they bring to the team. And there's a, a particular time in the series where a guy, there's this one position in rugby that's the top position. You know, it's like their quarterback position, the guy that's running on the outside. And a veteran, uh, spoiler alert, a veteran gets replaced in one of the episodes. And to watch how that's handled was, was pretty cool. So it was very, I'll just put it this way, it was a very non-American way to handle that transfer and I and I think that was although it's just like when you watch a documentary on the seals it's like you think you're seeing everything but you're really not seeing yeah, everything yeah. that's exactly how this is but I think that transition between those two players really showed part of the secret sauce as to why this rugby team is just 
winning and is going to win forever because they figured out how to operate at, at this level with professional athletes where they're all joined around a common cause instead of just their individual approach. So I, w- I would highly recommend it. It's worth the time. Yeah, I really want to watch that. And I watched the, the Michigan one and I also watched the Dallas Cowboys one. And those were cool, but I mean, like, you already pretty much knew everything that had happened just if you follow sports and everything's on ESPN 24-7. And, you know, you already knew all the stories. You already know all the athletes. And so you're not really seeing anything new. But that's what really drew me to the Juventus one and then also to this to this All Blacks one, which I really want to watch, is it's something you don't know a whole lot about and just seeing the different way they do things. So I definitely want to check that one out. Yeah, and if you ever just want to punish your body just beyond measure, you go – Get a, get a rugby league on a Saturday every, somewhere. Every person I know that's ever played rugby is at least, like, torn their knee up or torn their shoulder <laughs> up or, I mean, just broken all kinds of stuff. So, talk about violence. All right, but those are two things. I, lo- I like our recommends this week because they don't take a lot of uh, intellectual prowess. We're not reading a 350-page book. We're just watching some stuff on Netflix, which is cool this, this time of year. So we get to that portion of the episode where we just want to put that sell uh, out there for you guys. If you if you appreciate the podcast, a like, rate, and share. One of the best things that we've seen recently, people sharing personally on their uh, social media outlets about particular episodes. We always appreciate that. And uh, if you have something you'd like for us to discuss on the podcast, reach out. You can reach out um, to Coyote CrossFit on all the social media outlets. You can hop on our website and contact us there with the email form. We'd love to discuss things that matter to you. So until then, we will see you next time.